Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be back. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, I've been gone for the last couple of weeks. I had the, a wonderful opportunity, and I'm thankful to the church and our denomination to be a part of a, a vision trip uh, to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, it's a partnership that our denomination has with World Vision to target a particular part of the Congo in which our denomination has roots for many, many years. Uh, and so I was privileged to go along with a, a couple of other pastors and some denominational people and, and just to spend a wonderful two weeks there. Um, I traveled well. I know many of you are praying for me. I could tell that. I know that's one of the concerns you have when you do a lot of traveling and you're eating different foods and sleeping in different places. But I ate well. Uh, I must have an iron gut because I had no problems. And um, and even though I didn't sleep a whole lot, I didn't really get worn out. So I think thanks to your prayers in my adrenaline and the caffeine of the Congolese, I made it through probably in that order. So thank you for that. Uh, I want to bring you greetings from the CUM, which is the Covenant Congolese Church, uh, from their president, President Mboka and his wife, Charlotte, and many other CUM pastors and friends that we made over there. They wanted you to know how much they appreciate the partnership that we have with them and the, and the kinship we have through our faith in Jesus Christ. I have a lot of pictures and some video. I can't I don't have time to get into all of it. I'm just giving you a snippet of it, a couple of things. But I want to kind of lay out my goals for the trip going in and make a couple of comments. And we'll work our way through the trip, highlighting some things. Uh, one of my goals for the trip was really to connect with our missionaries um, as I said, it's the, the Congo is a place the covenant's been for a long time as a domination, but we also have a lot of ties as a church. Uh, we have people in our church who have been there. Tom and Leanne Christie were there for many years in the for some years in the 80s, and they've gone back periodically. Um, Marta Klein from our church uh, is uh, in the Congo now as a missionary, and um, I got to visit with her and see her a lot. Um, uh, Peter and Cindy Ekstrand, as well as Paul and Cheryl Noren, are also missionaries that we've supported for years have ties to a church. They've been in our church many times. Paul, uh, just for example, is um, Judy Thielander, part of our church. He's her cousin from northwest Kansas. So a lot of ties that I wanted to be able to go there and connect with the missionaries, see them in their context, encourage them, but also learn about what they're doing and see how God is working through them. And that was wonderful. That was accomplished, I feel. I'll share about that in a bit. I also want to learn more about this partnership that our denomination has with World Vision. As you know, World Vision is a huge organization, Christian organization that does development and relief work around the world, primarily development work. Uh, it's Christ centered. And but I wanted to see how this is working, because this is a unique uh, re- relationship that our denomination has with them. Typically, they come in and they they kind of run the show. But our denominational leaders approached them a few years back and said, we'd like to partner with you in the DRC, the Democratic Re- Republic of the Congo. Uh, we have we have a presence there and we would love to have your resources together that we could focus in this area and make a difference. And so that's happened. And I wanted to see how that was working. Um, also, Covenant Kids Congo, which is an initiative started by our denomination that sponsors children in the Congo for forty dollars a month. People are sponsoring children in the area to make sure they have access to health care and nutrition and, and education. And currently, our denomination is sponsoring over twelve thousand uh, children in that region. And with the goal of getting to even up to 20,000, I want to see how that was working. And then finally, and and big picture wise, I just want to get a sense of what God was doing. Uh, God is always at work in every situation, in every culture, with every people. I want to see what God was doing and and, and how our denominations are part of it and how we at First Covenant Church continue to build, can continue to build upon the things that are already being done through our individuals 
in our church who support it with their time, their prayers, their money, and also our missionaries. Uh, so that was those are my goals. Now, before I launch into the trip, a value that we have in our domination, but also at our church, is that everything needs to be grounded in the word of God. And, and we are to be people of the word of God, so who in turn are involved in the world on God's behalf for his glory and the benefit of others. Our scriptures that we read for today kind of point us in that direction. The first one out of Matthew 28 is called the, often known as the Great Commission. Jesus' last words before he ascends into heaven, and he tells the disciples, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize people in my name, and basically go out and, and tell the world about my good news and who I am. Make more disciples. That's called the Great Commission. Uh, the other passage is often referred to as the Great Commandments. Jesus is asked by a teacher of the law, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus, as we heard, says, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our love for God is to be expressed in our love for others. God's heart is for all people, not people just like us, but for all people. And so we do not have the option of saying, for instance, about the rest of the world or different people or different cultures, it's not my concern. We must begin with our own situation, certainly, but never to the exclusion or never to the neglect of the rest of God's world and children. Now, a little bit of background. The covenant's been in the Congo for 77 years, and the daughter has outgrown the mother. Our denomination here is 250,000 roughly people. Over there, 500,000. A lot of influence in the region that we were at. I was very impressed with the the leadership, the talents, the intelligence, the heart, the commitment, compassion, and the sacrifice that the CEM pastors and leaders uh, make on a daily basis. So let's begin with a little background about the DRC. Here's a, there's two Congos. There's the French Congo and there's the DRC. The DRC, Democratic Republic of the Congo, is here. You can see it there in the orange. It's a large country. Um, it is the 12th largest in the world as far as land mass and the 18th most uh, populated. It's also one of the countries that is richest in natural resources. Uh, 70% of the world's copper, gold, uh, diamonds, so on and so forth, uranium, silver. Uh, there's uh, some metal like tantalum or something like that. It's used for cell phone technology. 90% of it comes from the country. So it's very rich in natural resources, yet, unfortunately, because of that, they've been exploited over the years through colonialism, through outside interests, multinationals, and through their own corrupt dictators and leaders. And so what that means is the U.N. ranks countries as far as their, their health index and the quality of life and living. They are the lowest rated in the world of all the countries in the world, the lowest rated and the covenant is primarily focused in the northwest corner, up towards the top of the northwest corner, in a province called Equator or Equator province. And it is the, the most rural and most poor area of the, of, the, of the Congo, according to what I've been told. And so, as you can see, it's, it's a big challenge to make a difference there. The infrastructure is, is non-existent practically. The roads are, are horrendous, uh, difficult to travel and get around. The, the mail system is, is non-existent as well. Our missionaries usually have to wait until somebody brings them something. A mail can't be sent to them. They have to wait. Um, the government has been unstable and corrupt for many, many years. The economy has been hampered by all sorts of things. Just to give you a sense of the history, 
from about 1890 to 1910, it was a personal fiefdom of King Leopold of Belgium. And he, he just basically just ravaged the country and pulled out all sorts of resources, rubber and all sorts of things like that, and, and gold and silver and diamonds. And during that time, they enslaved millions of people. Ten million Congolese died during that 20-year period from slavery, starvation, or mass murders. And so that's kind of their history. And then the Belgian government took over, and it wasn't a whole lot better until 1960 when they were given independence. At the time of independence, out of all the government positions of upper level, over 4,000 positions, only three were Congolese. So they were not prepared for leadership. Since then, there's been a series of civil wars and rebels and turnovers in power. And in 1964, many of you might know the name Paul Carlson, uh, a well-known covenant missionary medical doctor uh, who was martyred at that time. He got caught up in some of the unrest and was kidnapped and trying to escape, and he got gunned down in 1964. Um, it's not a whole lot different today. There's been a, a series of, of, of dictators uh, over the time. They have a man now who's in power who's called the president, but in reality he's stolen elections. And, um, and in the, since the late 90s, five million more people have been killed during just unrest in the Congo. Just to give you an example, you'll see in just a minute the city that we flew into, the capital is called Kinshasa, about nine million people. And um, the day before we, the day after we left, we, we, we preached on Sunday, and the president was trying to pull a, a fast one. He was trying to change the Constitution so he could stay in power uh, long term. And we knew the next day that there would be demonstrations in the streets. Uh, so the day after we left, there was demonstrations in the streets. We saw soldiers before we left. Forty-two people were, were gunned down uh, because they were protesting. A very tough, very, very difficult situation in many levels. And so you hear all that, and the stats are overwhelming. Uh, just to give you a little bit of sense of what the people are living with on a daily basis, here's a few stats. Life expectancy is 47. That's the average life expectancy. Over half the population is under 15. It gives you a sense, again, of life expectancy. According to the, the websites from, Covenant, from World Relief, 50% do not have access to potable water, and 80% don't have access to adequate sanitation facilities. 80% of kids under 5 have chronic diarrhea. 146 out of 1,000, almost 15%, do not make it to age 5. 40 women are raped every day in the country. The average income, annual income, is $220 a year. And 40% of girls under 15 are already married. And there's more and more and more. It's just staggering when you hear the stats. But God is at work. Even in a difficult situation like that, God is at work through the people of the Congo, through the, the, the missionaries, through world relief. You could see people's lives being changed, people being empowered. And even if it's incremental, things are changing. And it was very exciting to see, see rays of hope in a very dark and difficult situation. The, the, the people of Congolese were just so, such a blessing to me. They were, they, were, they were humble, they were generous, and there was a joy that they had that you don't often see in their worship, in their lives, their emphasis upon family and upon faith. And on the things that are truly, truly important. When everything's stripped away, the, the, the most important things are left behind. And that's what they were experiencing. So I learned a lot from them about that. 
Now, I want to work our way through a few pictures. I'm going to begin with just some basic stuff, who the missionaries are and the team was, and a couple pictures that orient you about where we were. And then I'm going to go into some things about world vision, our missionaries, and then the churches that we visited. So here, um, here is the view from the plane that we flew in on in Kinshasa. Like I said, nine million people. Traffic is crazy, crazy. Um, the pilot said, we pray more about driving in Kinshasa than we do flying. I mean, it was crazy. Here's the view that I had uh, as we flew in. The Congo River is the second largest in the world. Um, at points, it's four to five miles wide. Here's the plane we flew in on uh, four hours into Gemina, which is where we were based in. Uh, there were seven of us on the plane, plus the pilot, uh, MAF, Missionary Aviation Fellowship pilot. It was kind of, uh, kind of interesting uh, not everybody's excited about this, but the pilot weighs you in front of everybody else, puts a scale down, has you stand on, okay, okay, 210 pounds or 150 pounds, just yells it out because he has to get us in the right place. So that was kind of fun for some of our team members. Um, here's the team um, starting on the right side and working our way over. That's Keith Gustafson, a wonderful guy, very impressed with him. Uh, he was a missionary in the Congo for years. He uh, was there with Tom and Leanne Christie uh, in the 80s. Uh, he now lives up in the Seattle area, and he uh, heads up all the trips to the Congo. He did all the translation work, French, Lingala. Um, very impressive guy, wonderful guy. Got to know him pretty well. Don Ingebretson is the next guy. Uh, he's in charge of our Covenant Congo Kids program for our denomination. Used to be the vice president of our denomination. I uh, enjoyed getting to know him. The next guy is a pastor from... Um, from the Twin Cities, a great guy, a lot of fun. He was known as the dancing pastor because during, during the, the offering, the Congolese people would dance and he'd get in there and dance with them. Um, his name was James Brown and he feels good. Um, <laughs> the next one is Kurt Peterson and he's the director of our World, World Mission Department. Just really, really was blessed by him. Just amazing, amazing guy. Some amazing stories uh, and uh, been doing it for many years. Greatly loved by our missionaries. He'll be retiring in June. Um, the next two, that's President Boka, who is the president of the Congolese church and his wife, Charlotte. Um, we were, had the privilege of having breakfast with him about three or four mornings in a row. Got to know him and get to know his heart, ask questions, learn from him. Just a really uh, good guy, humble. And, and just the, 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 the pressures and the stresses that they have is is amazing, just nonstop uh, from midnight to about five in the morning, constant meetings and requests and people stopping by. Uh, the next one is Nancy Lewis, a pastor from Oakland, California. Great gal, great gal. Uh, and um, she provided a touch of class to our Motley crew. And then the next guy on the end there, that's me. Uh, these are our missionaries that we support, Peter and Cindy Ekstrand on the end. Um, They've been in our church many times. Uh, he's a farm boy from Iowa, so we had a lot of fun talking about our farm backgrounds. Um, he works, he's worked in agriculture. He works with the churches and training pastors and you know, you know, all sorts of things. And um, he and I would go running in the morning, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Marta Klein, as I mentioned, she's from our church. She uh, is a physician's assistant, works with, uh, in medicine at the hospital, also works in nutrition. I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit. Very cool stuff. And then Cheryl and Paul Noren, uh, he has ties to our church. His cousin goes here, and he grew up in northwest Kansas. Um, he does a lot of stuff with agriculture, really, really 
I'll tell you about that later. Really impressive. And Cheryl, his wife, works in medicine and the pharmacy as well. And here's this individual photos of Marta, Xtrans, and the Norans. Just to give you a sense of where we're at, in the mornings I get up, it's a beautiful place, and the sun was in the sky. I got this one morning. I, I, you know, I'd wake up early, and there's a fruit bat outside my window. always made noise. So I get up in the morning, I'd go for a walk or go for a run and take photos, and it was my favorite part of the day. Here's the river about a mile and a half, maybe a mile and a quarter from where we were, downhill. And um, every morning you'd go down there and, and you'd see people washing clothes, you know, bathing their kids, washing their bicycles, things like that. And I tried to strike up conversations in my broken French with them and we fumbled through. I, don't, I didn't start any international incidents as far as I know. So um, here's the road. This, this is a very familiar scene. Bikes, once in a while a motorcycle, once in a while a truck, but typically people hauling stuff, very hardworking people. It was funny in the mornings when we, would, when we would run, they would look at us like, why are you running? What are you doing? Uh, I mean, they worked so hard, they couldn't imagine why would you exercise? Why would you do that? Uh, in a couple of occasions, they would kind of laugh and they'd run alongside us for a while. One gal shamed us. She had like a big pan of water on her head and she jogged alongside us for about a quarter mile. I'm like... You know, I was I wanted to push her over because I was so ashamed, but <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. She probably could have kicked my rear. So another another scene you saw a lot. Men would haul um, produce, merchandise, whatever on the back of their bikes uh, up, to, up to 200 pounds sometimes. And most of them are about half my size. Very tough, strong people. Another scene that we would go running down in the morning. There were a couple of young teenage guards with with guns. They like teenagers, they looked like they were asleep half the time. Um, this is Christine. I spoke with her at the river one day for a while, about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And just huge palm trees, beautiful. This is a typical house we saw in the area. Um, it was interesting in our orientation session with uh, Covenant World Relief and uh, the Congolese churches. They said when they came into the area, they did a survey. Uh, to, to kind of determine need and kind of get a base of where people are at. And, and they, they asked the, the Congolese covenant people, okay, what does it mean to be rich in your context? In your context, what does it mean to be rich? Um, and they said, well, in our context, we're probably rich compared to others because they said if you have a door, not just an opening, if you have windows, not just openings, if you have a bicycle, if you have money in your pocket at the end of the day, if your children have food to eat, um, and if when you're sick you can go to the doctor, you're rich. Um, so these are pretty basic. We saw a lot of the vast majority of places were like this, made out of uh, red clay, a lot of red dirt, clay dirt, and, and thatch roofs. I, uh, that, that, that hut, that house... When I was running, I stopped for a second. Two little kids were standing there, and they saw I had a camera, and they were, like, posing for it. So I stopped to pose. I pulled out my camera, and eight more came out of the, out of the house. So Another morning when I got back, just um, they were, these guys were playing uh, soccer, like high school kids. And I was watching, and they said, come play. I didn't have the heart to say no, and it was very humbling, very humbling. Um, the guy in the bottom on the right, 
He was the ringleader. He was very nice, and he knew, he knew French really well. I tried to fumble through. He says, you don't speak French. But, uh, but we were playing, and at one point I heard him say, pass it to the old white guy. Yeah, I think they, he didn't want me to feel embarrassed. You know, let, let him play. Let him be a part of things. So that was fun. Here's a couple of the pastors and one, and one of the pastor's wives at the church in Kinshasa that I spoke at. Church of about 85. And just incredible blessing. Services are three hours long, but they went by like that. I mean, they didn't seem long at all. The music and the prayer time was just incredible. Just incredible time of prayer. Several things struck me. Um, the, just the joy, the, the passion, the sense of community. Um, and a very tough part of the city. And at one point, the lady in prayer said, thank God that you are alive today. Many people died last night, um, which was we, you know, several funerals when we were there. Very tough situation. This is another church I spoke at, Epoch. Um, and this, these are the worst roads I was on. Um, and I, I spoke there on Sunday morning with almost 200 people. And again, about three hours. Um, and then Peter on the left, this is an area he used to live and he used to teach at agricultural school. So he and Marta and I and the pastors from the area went about a mile up the road to this guest house that they're refurbishing for teachers. And we were walking around and they said, oh, by the way, right over there, uh, last year we killed a 22 foot long python. I'm like, well, so I stayed out of the grass. Um, this is Karowa, which is really the birthplace of, of Covenant Mission. I mean, it's a very historic place. 77 years ago, this is where they started. And this is where Marta lives. Uh, this is where uh, the Norans live. The x rans live in Gimena, but Marta and the Norans live here. In this area, of maybe 50 to 80,000 people all spread out. Uh, and when we arrived, uh, I, Tom told me, he said, when you get there, they're going to greet you everywhere. And they did. It was lined for, I don't know, a quarter mile, half a mile, just with people cheering and chanting and singing. And we went through and shook their hands. And it was pretty overwhelming, pretty humbling. The church on the left, uh, that's where they worship. And so we were headed there for a kind of a greeting service and a time of worship. And uh, so that's what we, what we did. Here's a picture of the worship. Again, to give you a sense of what they faced every day, we had the great worship service. And then they announced a pastor's wife died this morning. The funeral's this afternoon. So we left the sanctuary and they got ready for a funeral. This is a team again with some of the Covenant World or some of the World Vision people. Uh, the guy in the front in the middle kneeling down is Fred Casongo. I was he was amazing. I mean, very well educated. His English was incredible, and he heads up the whole team uh, of the area. And um, you know, making sacrifices to do that. He could be doing a lot of other things and making a very good living for himself. But he was there, uh, very humble, great sense of humor. Just a really awesome guy. He's going to be at our pastor's meetings next week in, in Denver to, uh, to meet people and to speak. Uh, one of the emphasis that they in Covenant World, or with World Vision, is education. And so we visit a lot of schools, all the way from elementary age to high school to even university and seminary level. Uh, and this is a classroom we stopped in. The classroom was small. Three kids to a desk, 72 kids in there, and they were they wrapped attention. They were focused. It was very, very, um, very cool to see. Uh, they were very excited about learning and education. The teacher, one teacher, 72 kids. 
Uh, on the way to Karawa, we stopped at a village along the way to visit a clinic. You know, it was the, the Paul Carlson, the guy I mentioned earlier, the covenant missionary that was martyred. There's a, a foundation through our denomination where you can sponsor a clinic for 10000 a year in a village to provide health care and access to different things. Um, this was a, a basic one. It was not, it's not the full thing, but we stopped to tour it uh, in the village area. And uh, this is the labor and delivery room. Um, which is a huge improvement for them. In that area, most women just give birth in the dirt in their, their hut. And so this is the labor and delivery room. Uh, they, had, they were excited. They had concrete floors and walls. There was a young man there who was trained in midwifery as well as medicine and um, is already making a big difference there. Uh, water is another emphasis of the, of the partnership between World Vision and our denomination. And... Um, this is a water a tower. Um, I climbed to the top and looked around. It's really impressive. Uh, they have uh, engineers from the Congo who are gathering water from five streams on the hillside, digging a trench with a pipe, and it'll bring water about three miles down into an area where it'll bring clean water to 30 to 50,000 people. And this is the hill that they were gathering the, the water from, making its way all the way into town. Uh, here's another water project. We hiked in here, and uh, women were gathering water and hauling out a mile uphill. Um, kids, 10, 12 years old, doing the same. Um, they were also working on on uh, some some vegetables that they were going to sell. Um, and I jumped in the middle, and they dared me to drink the water, and I did. So here I am. Fish fish farms and agricultural development is also part of the partnership. Um, making a huge difference with protein and, and the economy and income. A lot of them involved with that. This is a really neat group. This is one of my favorite things. There's a women's group who have about three acres. Um, and we showed up and they had this big skit, elaborate skit and song. It's about five minutes long. I'm going to show you a short clip. But they, um, they acted out the farm cycle. So she's hoeing the ground. Then they come in and they plant the seeds. And then they water it and they harvest it. They had a lot of jokes in there too. It was very creative. Um, and here's the plant that they were developing called cassava. Uh, and uh, the roots and the leaves are used for nutrition. And um, um, there's uh, about 70 women in the group who work at, at the, there. And we had a chance to talk with them for quite a while. Um, Asked them several questions, asked what a difference this makes. They said, well, our, we, our children have a chance now to, to live and to grow and to learn in school. And then one of the team members asked, how many of you have lost a child to malnutrition? Every single hand went up. And many of them said, I've lost two or three. But they said, this is making a difference now. They were very excited about it. They were providing leadership and initiative. Um, you know, they have all the resources, human resources they need. They just need a fighting chance regarding their, their government and their infrastructure. Uh, James is here with one of the, the kids that's being sponsored. Uh, she's about seven years old. She looks much younger. Uh, a lot of kids look younger than they actually were because of malnutrition. And, uh, but he's sponsoring her uh, for $40 a month and making a huge. She brought her dolls because he has a daughter the same age. Um, he, did a, he did a Taylor Swift dancing song for them. Uh, they danced with him, and, and he danced with them. Um, and this is where she lives with her mom and two young twin brothers and her grandmother. Um, 
This is again at Carowa, and this is uh, what the covenants involve. They have a nursing school there, young men and women studying to be nurses. Uh, and it's really neat because they're the highest rated nursing school in the country, 100% pass the last several years. So the government's been really talking with them about what are you doing? How are you doing this? Uh, and and um, Cheryl Norrin and other people are involved in this nursing school. And there's Marta. And behind her, you see these tall, slender trees. Those are called Moringa trees. And Marta has been instrumental in developing them or introducing them to the area. She did a lot of research on them. And um, I'll let her talk in just a minute about what they can do. But um, there's over 200 now that she's introduced. She's trained over 70 other individuals to use this in their communities. And what you can do is you break off a three-foot-long piece of the tree, a branch or whatever. You stick it in the ground. Six months, it grows into a tree. And you can harvest the leaves. And here's Marta talking about the benefits of the moringa tree. Powder to mothers of children who have malnutrition, and they add the powder to food that's already been cooked. And the powder is um, three ounces of the powder has 27 grams of protein. Wow. And it has 28 milligrams of iron, about 18 milligrams of vitamin C and about 18 milligrams of vitamin A, as well as all nine essential amino acids. So Marta, it's fantastic. And the thing is, it's green, so you can put it in a kid. They eat pondu, which is green all the time. Yeah. You put it in, they don't know any difference. Yeah, yeah. the Mar- taste doesn't change it. Either. Marta is the moringa queen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they come na naibite or oyoki na na region awa tangomususu bato babengangai mama moringa. So this would be mama moringa. This would be an if you heard, they call her Mama Moringa. So for the rest of the trip, that's what I called her. So, Mama Moringa. And it was very cool to see the difference that she and the other missionaries are making in very practical, helpful ways to really impact people in very significant ways for health and nutrition and, and, and the future for their lives. This was at Karawa, the hospital. They, they have 140 or 150 beds there. It's the largest missionary hospital uh, in, the, in the region, the country, I believe. And this is one of their, their hospital beds. It's the best they have. And they do heroic work. Um, the Congolese doctors and nurses um, making lots, lots of sacrifices along with our people. But this is an example of a hospital bed. And then they have different, this is one of the wards they have. They had an AIDS ward. They had a mother baby ward. They had a general patient ward. Uh, and this was a very sad situation uh, because of, you know, a lot of people don't, can't afford health care. So when they, the women, when they give birth, there's all sorts of complications in delivery, and somebody tries to help them, and things are botched. And so a lot of women uh, in the area had major problems because of that, physical problems. And they brought in a Congolese surgeon from Kinshasa for a week. And they let the word know, hey, if you have these sorts of problems, come. You did 140 surgeries in one week. And these are some of the women recuperating from that. Here's, here's a mother with, with her baby. These are people in, in the Congo, I didn't know this, but in the hospitals and the prisons, they don't provide meals. It's just too expensive. So if you're in prison or you're in the hospital, your family has to come and cook you food. And so these are family members of the patients. They, they camp out, they hang out, and they cook food for their, for their families. This is where the Norans live. And then this is where Marta lives. She's about 100 yards away, if that, from them. So she gave me a tour of the place, and Norrens did too. Uh, she said there's a big mango tree that drops 
big mangoes in the roof in the middle of the night. Sounds like bombs going off. So, this is President Sanguma and his wife Sabuli. He's an ex-president of the, the Congolese Church uh, and a very sharp man. PhD from Fuller, which is a very prominent seminary on the West Coast. Um, and their their semi-retirement. He is focusing his efforts on an all-girls school. Girls in the Congo don't have access to education as much as the boys do. And, uh, and then his wife, Sabuli, is focusing on an orphanage there with about 80 kids. We were at the orphanage here, and we got to tour it and hear stories. Um, and just, just the, the work that she's doing was, wow. Here's some of the kids at the orphanage. They greet us with songs as well. Here I am at the girls' school. Uh, these girls are 16, 15, and 15. They were studying math and science. Uh, they are kind of going against the grain, so to speak, and uh, very excited. They were very excited about their education. Can you pick out which one I am? Let's see. Yeah, with some of the kids. Um, here, this was really a neat experience for me. President Sangum and myself outside the orphanage, um, there was a person in our church who provided a part that they needed to drill, uh, to, to drill a well to get water. Without it, they couldn't do it. And so I was able to take that part from here in Salina and uh, take it there and get it to somebody who took it there. And by the time we got to the orphanage, they'd repaired the, the, the machine. They had drilled and gotten water, and they've capped it off here. And so I, I posed next to it with the president in Sanguma. Again, very, very neat to be able to see that people in our church are making a difference over there. Uh, they were already getting fresh water for those 80 kids. This is one of the girls from the orphanage, um, and her name is Christine. And we heard several stories that just blew us away. Uh, I'll give you hers real quickly. Um, she's been at the orphanage for a little over a year. She was 10 when she came. And when she was 10 years old, just her and her dad and the family, that's it. And um, they were fishing on the Congo River, this huge river north in the jungle. And lightning, a big storm came up. It was at night. A lightning came up, hit the boat. Aluminum canoe, her dad's killed instantly. She's thrown out of the boat because of the force. And she swims back to the river in the current, swims back to the canoe, and then she makes her way in the dark through to the bank, trying to find somebody to take care of her dad or bury her dad or something, look for help. She gets to the bank, she finds a village, and the chief and all the people come out. The chief is so overwrought by what's happened, he has a heart attack on the spot and dies. And the people see this as a bad sign, say, you can't stay. You're bad news. And they make her leave. So she goes off down the river and paddles from 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the dark, in the Congo, with her dad, dad's body and herself until she finally, finally finds a village that will take her. Um, and um, they bury her dad, and eventually she gets to the orphanage. And uh, we were watching her play, and she was happy. She was excited, although you know there's a lot of, has to be a lot of pain and I mean, it's just amazing, the story. I mean, most of us would have just died on the spot, given up. She's 10 years old and very small. Whoops. Um, here's some more. There's Keith again, and, and this is David Stockham. He uh, is a missionary there as well. He teaches in the seminary on assignment. He pops in and teaches, and it comes back, back and forth. But he teaches in the seminary with the Congolese pastors. Uh, this is Debo. Many of you might have met Debo. He's been in our church, a good friend of the Christie's. Um, and um, his son, Poppy, is in our, in our area as well, going to school. Um, it was good to see him. And more of the area. And uh, like I said, lots and lots of pictures, lots of video. But I don't want to overwhelm you with it all. I guess I'd like to conclude. Well, first, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to go. 
your prayers were amazing and it kept me going and the opportunity is fantastic. Um, and I guess when you, I'm still processing all this, but when you come back from something like this, I guess one of the things you want to think through is, what does God want me to do with this experience? Wonderful experience, but what does he want me to do with it? And so, and what can our church do with this? As I said, already we're, we're very involved, um, but I think we can be involved more. I think we can do more. To whom much is given, much is required. And so as I've been thinking about it, different practical ways that possibly we could be involved would be sponsor more kids, $40 a month, Covenant Kids Congo. That's one way. If you're interested, get a hold of the church office or go to the Covenant Church website, covchurch.org. We'll also have a Sunday in the, in the spring where we're going to focus more on that again. We did a couple of years ago, but we're going to do it again. That's one way. Um, certainly our missionaries covet your prayers and support. Uh, they're pretty isolated. And, um, um, but so your prayers and support and your contact, you know, emails, letters, little notes, things like that, greatly appreciated by them. Uh, we have fantastic people out there making an incredible difference for the kingdom. And I was so proud of that. And so uh, it was so exciting to see that. Um, Paul Carlson clinics. I mentioned the Paul Carlson clinics. Uh, you can sponsor a clinic in one of those villages, which offers health care and, 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 and access to people for 10,000 a year. And so that's something that we're going to be talking about, uh, about what we can do there um, as well. And then, and then who knows, possibly in the future, we may have opportunity. It's a hard place to get to, a hard place to be. It's not, it's not cheap. Uh, but to the possibility of having people who have a, a certain gift set and call to, to go back and, and to try to partner and, and to help and do anything we can to be a part of what God is doing uh, in that part of the world. So um, I'm going to stop. It's almost noon. I'm going to close this in prayer and then I'll send you on your way. Thank you, Father, for um, this day. We thank you for the many blessings that we have. And, Lord, it can be a little bit overwhelming when we see those who don't have much. But yet, Lord, they have such great faith in you. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're doing uh, just really amazing things with what they do have. So, Father, help us to, in like spirit, do the best that we have with the things that we've been entrusted with. Father, I pray for your blessing upon the people of the Congo. I pray for the CUM leaders pastors and people bless them with with health and strength and protection may their love for you grow strong may their churches grow may their impact expand lord i pray for our partners in world vision thank you for the great things they're doing uh, help us to learn from them and they from us and i pray lord that this, this this targeted special partnership would would make just an incredible change and be the model for other places uh, i thank you lord for our missionaries bless them too we thank you for them and just the friendship that we have with them and the partnership and, and the fruit that's so evident. We thank you, Father, and we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, his Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and always. Go in peace and serve our Lord. Amen.